And I, I also want to bring up, uh, you know, an actor that we lost, and, and obviously she'll be forever, Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher. Your, your impressions of her, I know it's in the book, but I certainly would like to hear you talk about her. Uh, she was an amazing lady. She absolutely was. She absolutely was. She, um, I think as most people know by now, she was a very talented writer. Even back on Star mm-hmm. Wars, she was, you know, doctoring her dialogue to make it more comfortable for her and more of the character she wanted to be. And, you know, she had a great career beyond acting as a writer and as a script doctor in Hollywood. Yes. She was she was very well liked by everybody. The crew loved her um, mm-hmm. on on all the movies because she treated them well and gave them great respect. You know, they uh, they just really enjoyed her and everyone, you know, she's missed by everybody. Yes. Yeah, I would think so. There, there's actually, we won't go into the more of the details because it's a story well reading, but I understand that she actually uh, introduced the English crew to tacos. Yeah, yes, there that, England is not noted for its adventurous culinary spirit. <laughs> um, and back in the 70s, they had just gotten hamburger sandwiches. I mean, that oh, was a wow. new thing. Yeah, um, that's true. Mexican food was unknown. Um, there hmm. was one Mexican restaurant that had just opened in London. Um, in 1979 when Empire was shooting and yeah. she arranged on her last day of shooting a uh, party for the crew where she had the Mexican restaurant cater and the oh, crew the crew loved it and were completely mystified by the food they were being <laughs> served. That is that's a great story. That is Craig Miller sharing one of his many Star Wars memories from his book of the same name. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. I'm Tony Tolado. We chatted about his work on the original trilogy and those who did not get the credit that they deserved. Today on Sci-Fi Talk, I'm chatting with Craig Miller. He was the original director of fan relations at Lucasfilm, working on the original Star Wars were Episode 4 and Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. And he also ran the official Star Wars fan club back in the day, and he has a new book out, Star Wars Memories. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. A very interesting uh, perspective that you have, uh, uh, you know, being there at the beginning. Take us back to the the first film, New Hope, and was uh, was there any kind of expectations as to what this film was going to do at all? Oh gosh, no. Um, <laughs> you know, back in the seventies, those of us who are old enough to remember, science fiction was not popular. Today, that's hard to believe with every movie out there uh, being either, you know, science fiction or a superhero movie, or at least every other movie. Back in the 70s, that was not the case. And it was a very hard task to convince people to go see a science fiction movie, because most would just say, no, I'm not interested in science fiction. So 
while we all believed in the movie, we felt, mm-hmm. okay, it's good. It'll break even. Maybe it will do well and we'll be able to make a second one. But yeah. that was kind of the outside expectation. More Star Wars memories with Greg Miller in a moment. Mm. I can tell you, uh, back in 77, I, w- I went to the theater to see it. And the line, after, literally after the buzz around the movie, with no internet in those days, I might add, had a line in the theater that I went to wrapped around the building. It was absolutely amazing. And at the end of New Hope, uh, people actually stood up and gave the film a standing ovation, no matter how many times I saw it. And they were multiple times, <laughs> believe me. So wow, it was well, really a standing ovation uh, is great. And that's rarely happened, uh, you know, since that time. And you also worked on Empire. And what impressed me is because of the success of the first movie, George had a lot more money to work with. And it really elevated the series to a new level. And then by then, the the expectations were higher, but the film certainly delivered. Well, that's certainly my opinion, that it, it's, um, a tr- Empire is a terrific film. And um, arguably, it's a better film than Star Wars. But I'm, you know, for me, it's a big toss up as to which is best because Empire is a better made film. But without yes. Star Wars, there wouldn't be an Empire. That's right. This book, um, I guess you must have like, uh, did you have like notes from the old days? And and I guess you had to kind of jog the memory bank there a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, <laughs> for for 40 years, people were telling me you should write a book because I I would tell stories to friends or I did a lot of speaking at like science fiction and comics conventions and things. And they, you know, asked me about it and I tell these stories, but I, I wasn't, I didn't really believe I had enough material in my memory for a book, but I finally decided, let me, let me sit down and try, let me see what's there. And by the time I finished, um, it was about twice as long as I thought the minimum wow. needed to be a book. It's over a hundred thousand words. It it did require a memory jogging. I did sit down with a couple of friends from those days. Said, "Help me remember stories that I need to tell," and they did remind me of a couple of incidents that I'd completely forgotten. And they helped me come up with some of details about things that I'd forgotten a little of the details, but really once I started and sat down and actually made a concerted effort, it pretty much all came back to me. Yeah. Amazing stuff. So I I guess the editing part must have been the hard part because you have to, you have to cut out probably some good stuff. Yeah. I mean, there is stuff not in there stuff that I just thought this, this really isn't, I, I call it an anecdotal memoir because it isn't written like a novel in that it's one long story. It's it's broken up into bite-sized pieces. Some are a page long and some are 12 or 15 pages long, telling about different incidents or different classes or types of things going on. You know, it worked out that uh, mostly I was able to 
use the material that I had that I came up with. So there isn't a lot not in the book, but it's stuff I thought would be interesting to people. Um, and I've been fortunate in, I guess, in that either people aren't telling me that they don't like it or, uh, but at least all the things I've been seeing from people, uh, reviews and comments online and that sort of thing have been very positive about the book. Oh, that's good. I mean, this is really to, to capture a bit of history like this is always think fans appreciate that. So I think, uh, I mean, I, I'm just curious about so many things and you know for example the star wars fan club um based on the success of the movies did it could have easily gotten away from you uh, because of uh, this mass uh, following that literally developed on word of mouth you know pre-internet days as i mentioned and just really people seeing the movie and the box office results just going through the roof it, you know i i started as a consultant on the marketing of the film about um, nine, ten months before the film came out. And then I was brought in full time. And one of the things I was brought in to do was to try to not control, but to try to guide the way the fandom for Star Wars would go. Uh, and of course, yeah. in the inter- pre-internet days, it was a lot easier to uh, keep track of what was happening. You know, and it was sort of, we did guide it. And with the fan club, we deliberately wanted to do something that would keep people informed and entertained and excited about Star Wars and future Star Wars movies. One -hmm. of the things was we actually, there are companies that run fan clubs and handle fan mail for celebrities and rock bands and that sort of thing. Yeah, And I I interviewed a bunch of them, and I was just not happy with any of the companies because they were mostly, they didn't really have a high opinion of the people who were writing to the the celebrities they represented or joining the fan clubs, and they were sending them Mm -hmm. out what seemed to me to be pretty terrible, um, worthless stuff. So... Uh, we decided to handle it all in-house. And so I came up with the official Star Wars fan club, came up with and designed the items that went into a membership kit that you got. We didn't like the quality of stuff other fan clubs sent out. So it was really a money-losing proposition for us because it cost us more for the photographs and the original poster and stuff to send out than people paid to join. And then we had a regular newsletter that we sent out as well. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, you, I remember seeing some of that material and you guys did a bang up job. And, you know, this was, uh, you know, again, at, at a time where now something like that would be done online. And uh, so it's really amazing what you did and, uh, and getting the word out. Um, I have to congratulate you as well because I know you were uh, you did work on Sesame Street and uh, it just ce- celebrated a wonderful anniversary. Uh, still teaching a whole new generation of children about things, and my daughter was one of them, and she's not a, not a little kid anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah thank can, you for that. 
Well, my association with Sesame Street was really quite limited and limited to Star Wars. We, um, I'd come up with the idea of maybe getting R2 and C-3PO to guest star right. on Sesame Street. And so I um, was the producer for Lucasfilm on all of those segments. We did, I think, five episodes of Sesame Street with the two robots. And that was a lot of fun. It was great. Uh, it was a great pleasure for me. Um, Sesame yeah. Street was about 10 years old at that point. Wow. We we had a lot of fun. We got to work with Big Bird, of course. We just lost, unfortunately, yes. Carol Spinney. Yes, yes. Yeah, it, it was. Nope. it's amazing that he was Big Bird for, almost, for 49 of those 50 years. Craig Miller shares his Star Wars memories in a moment. Well, you're you're still a part of the Sesame Street and Star Wars history. You kind of overlap there, and I remember those appearances very well, and uh, they were very cool. It was good to see the two of uh, Sci-Fi's favorite bots <laughs> on, <laughs> on television uh, doing that. Um, you know, there's some great stories in here, and uh, for example, um, for example, actually, I know you worked on Underoos, and. There was uh, one San Diego Comic-Con where um, Mark Hamill was was at our roundtable. We're talking. He was talking to us and he goes and he goes, I'm an underoo for God's sakes. All over the planet, people are sitting on my face. <laughs> <laughs> true story. True story. And I have the audio to back it up. I didn't make that up. That's really amazing. But anyway, speaking of Mr. Hamill. um mm -hmm. You actually were you actually barbecued a burger for him in London when they were when they well, were actually there. he barbecued a burger for me. Um, oh, that's cool. When I was um, I was based in L.A., so I was only in London for part of the shoot, about five weeks in total, uh, while we were shooting at Elstree Studios. And Mark yes. and Mary Lou, this was on the the on Empire. Um, of course, had an apartment. I, I think it was in che in the Chelsea area of London, but I may be misremembering right now. Um, mm -hmm. And he <laughs> invited me back to his place one one afternoon, or it might have been on a Saturday, I guess, when we weren't shooting. Mark had a barbecue in his backyard, <laughs> and um, I suspect it's the only barbecue in London at that time. Yeah. Um, and it just, I guess it helped, you know, because Mark's a, uh, an L.A. boy at heart. And uh, I guess it just helped him feel at home. And so he barbecued burgers for us that day. That's, that's fantastic. All right. Why don't we take a short break? I'm talking to Greg Miller. He's the author of Star Wars Memories. And we'll be right back. Hello, I am C-3PO, Human Cyborg Relations. This is Leonard Nimoy. Hi, I'm Angel Colby. Um, I play Guinevere in Merlin. Hi, this is Billy Boyd. I play Pippin in Lord of the Rings. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Talk. Live long and prosper. Back with Craig Miller, author of Star Wars Memory, a must-have Star Wars book if you're a Star Wars fan like me. Because there's just so many interesting stories in there and behind-the-scenes stuff that really hasn't been told before. And in particular, uh, an interesting story with Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he actually rolled a joint, huh? 
Oh, <laughs> yeah. We were um, having lunch in a restaurant on Sunset Boulevard in L.A. one afternoon, and uh, it was a restaurant he'd picked, a Thai restaurant, over by um, some of the rock and roll clubs. After lunch, we were still sitting there, and he rolled a joint. And I thought I was a little <laughs> surprised, but I figured, okay, it's a restaurant he picked, so he must know they're cool with it. And uh, no one bothered us. So um, after he rolled oh, it, he, you know, did what you do with them. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it was the 70s. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, talk about taking things to a higher level. Oh, that was a bad pun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's actually somebody that who wrote the forward to your book that I really want to uh, highlight here. Kind of a forgotten person in the Star Wars uh, universe, Gary Kurtz, who produced the first two films. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and he was there at the very beginning where – you know, nobody knew how things were going to go. And he obviously did not have the budget for the first film that he had for the second. But yeah, talk about Gary's place in the Star Wars, uh, in the Star Wars mythos. Yeah, Gary does not get, I feel, the credit he deserves. I mean, not to take anything away yeah. from George, of course. Gary was part of the creation of Star Wars. He'd worked with George on American Graffiti. And That's right. they were sitting in, I don't know where they were sitting, but they wanted to go see a movie. And this was in the early 70s, I guess, like 72, 73, something like that. And the way you decided what movie to go to back then is you looked in the newspaper to see what was playing. That's right. And um, back when we still had newspapers. Um, and mm -hmm. they looked through the paper and they couldn't find anything they wanted to see. Uh, and so they decided they should make a movie like they want to see, which was going to be like a science fiction adventure movie. Mm -hmm. And at first they went, they approached Universal, where George had an overall deal. He had a three-picture deal based on American Graffiti about doing Flash Gordon, because Universal owned the rights to Flash Gordon, but they would not, they were not interested, and they wouldn't sell the rights. Um, so they decided to do something else, which was Star Wars. Star Wars wow. was an idea that George had come up with in college, although it's significantly different as produced than his original version. In some ways, he was both the technological brain and the spirit behind it. Gary was a very spiritual guy. and. Mm. Uh, he has been credited by George and others for really having come up with the whole concept behind the force. George wanted had the force, but Gary was the, figured out how it worked and how it played through everything. Yeah, and he was. I, I worked on a lot of movies over the years. Worked with a lot of directors and producers, and Gary was by far the most knowledgeable filmmaker he actually he was not a deal guy although he did make deals he actually had been a cameraman he had been a sound man mm -hmm. 
Um, he was at USC Film School with George. He was the one everyone always went to when there was a production difficulty, when there was, how are we going to get this done? He really knew how to get the movie made and on the budget they had available. Um, wow. So, yeah, he really isn't as credited as he should be. And I ha- I do have a section, as you know, in the book about Gary, just because yeah, I don't think so. he is as well known as he should be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's why I brought it up, because uh, I, I feel he I mean, he is part of science fiction history, what he did and uh, and forever changed things, as uh, we well know. I, I have to ask you about uh, kind of like the the fallout for, uh, you know, the, the Last Jedi. I was actually a little surprised by that and how people really attacked the film uh, and um you know, what's your opinion? I think it's, I've actually interviewed Ryan Johnson and, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I think he's a fantastic filmmaker and Knives Out certainly proves he can tell the story. Yeah, I mean, he, he is obviously a talented filmmaker. I, I like The Last Jedi. I don't think it is flawless. Um, personally, I think the whole Casino Planet sequence doesn't belong in the movie. It's a great set piece, but yeah, it just seems completely out of place in that movie, and doesn't mm-hmm. really serve any purpose except to introduce Del Toro's character, who seems to be set up to be in the next movie, the way Boba Fett uh, was set up to be in Jedi, and then of course didn't end up very much in Jedi. But whatever <laughs> Del Toro's position is, it just seemed like forty minutes of stuff that should be in a different movie. Um, mm. But I thought most of the movie was fine. Most of it worked. It was entertaining. It was well made. There's obviously a, a thing in today's society where some people object to um, characters who are female and characters of color and be taking lead roles. And I, I don't understand that. Um, yeah. And that isn't. And you know, different people have different objections. But I think overall the film works, so I really don't understand, you know, the hate that some people have for it, although I I also Mm. blame the Internet because as useful as the Internet is, it seems to have expanded people's ability to uh, hate things. Yeah, yeah. And I I also want to bring up, uh, you know, an actor that we lost, and, and obviously she'll be forever, Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher. Your your impressions of her? I know it's in the book, but I certainly would like to hear you talk about her. Uh, she was an amazing lady. She absolutely was. She absolutely was. She, um, I think as most people know by now, she was a very talented writer even back on Star mm-hmm. Wars, she was, you know, doctoring her dialogue to make it more comfortable for her and more of the character she wanted to be. And, you know, she had a great career beyond acting as a writer and as a script doctor in Hollywood. Yes. She was she was very well liked by everybody. The crew loved her um, mm-hmm. on on all the movies. Because she treated them well and gave them great respect. You know, they, uh, 
they just really enjoyed her and everyone, you know, she's missed by everybody. Yes. Yeah, I would think so. There, there's actually, we won't go into the more of the details because it's a story worth reading, but I understand that she actually uh, introduced the English crew to tacos. Yeah, yes, there. Back, England is not noted for its adventurous culinary spirit. <laughs> um, and back in the seventies, they had just gotten hamburger sandwiches. I mean, that oh, was a wow. new thing. Yeah, um, that's true. Mexican food was unknown. Um, there hmm. was one Mexican restaurant that had just opened in London. Um, in 1979 when Empire was shooting and yeah. she arranged on her last day of shooting a uh, party for the crew where she had the Mexican restaurant cater and the oh, crew the crew loved it and were completely mystified by the food they were being <laughs> served. That is that's a great story. It really goes to show you, you know, the kind of person she was to to go through that. It's it's amazing. Uh, and and lastly, I have to ask you. I mean, there is a Disney now owns the Star Wars universe and Lucasfilm. And uh, actually, I've been watching The Mandalorian on Disney Plus because we have Disney Plus. I mean, it's Star Wars, and I really wanted to have it. And Empire is on there. Uh, the original trilogy is on there, and then. Uh, I believe the prequels are also on there. The The newer films are still kind of in a few different places, but eventually they'll join it. Uh, that's, I mean, that's an amazing part of the of Star Wars that is now expanded to literally having to be part of its own channel, so to speak. Yeah, it it, it is kind of amazing how much stuff exists out there. And yeah, now yeah. that, not that I think Disney really had a need to convince people that there was stuff Disney would have to stream, since, of course, their library is pretty deep in um, classic okay. films. And now that they own Fox, I guess they have most of the Fox library as well. But, yeah, just yeah. Uh, how many hours of Star Wars material they must have for Disney+. Plus and stuff hmm. to come i think uh, it's it's pretty remarkable you could you could pretty much fill up all your time just streaming star wars stuff oh my god easily easily i i will say it a bit of a spoiler but in the latest episode uh the mandalorian goes back to uh, goes to tatooine and let me tell you they they really recreated it right down to the cantina it was like, oh my God! It's exactly the uh, the way I remember it. You know, <laughs> the aliens were a little different, but they actually did an amazing job in recreating it. So, uh, I haven't seen that episode yet, so I, I don't, I can't comment on how good a job they did. But it's they've been doing really good so far. So, I'm sure you're right. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, I think you'll be very happy with what they've done. It just shows a respect for the material and uh, kudos to them for that. It really is amazing. So it's Star Wars Memories. Is this available as an ebook as well? Yes, it is available as an ebook. Oh, and uh, Amazon, pretty much anywhere in the world, you can order it. That's fantastic. Will you be doing any kind of tour along with the, to promote the book? I, I will be right now. My uh, wife is recovering from a... Um, 
serious illness, so I'll be staying oh, around no. Los Angeles for the next uh, month or two. But after that, I'll begin traveling, uh, doing book signings and convention appearances and that sort of thing to promote the book. Oh, well, well, definitely Godspeed in her recovery, no doubt about that. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Sure, absolutely. Star Wars Memories, it's, I'll tell you, there's some rich material in there. You really get to, to see uh, the, the early days of Star Wars and really what a leap of faith it was that, uh, you know, like people like George and Gary Kurtz, uh, you know, just jumped on board. I remember actually interviewing Roger Christian, who was the art director on the original film. He told me something interesting. He said half the crew thought George was bonkers, <laughs> but mm -hmm. the other half decided to it's like, okay, let's, let's take this journey and see where it goes. And those are the people that he rewarded. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but you know, they had the faith too. And, and it, it really was a leap of faith and, uh, you know, and congratulations for being a part of it and, and being part of the history. Uh, well, thank you. I was very lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Look for Star Wars Memories wherever you get your books. It's a must-have. Don't forget you can enroll for a free lifetime membership at Sci-Fi Talk Plus with early release, exclusive and uncut episodes. Just click on the link in the show notes. It's free for a lifetime. And I do mean it's free. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.